Okay. Yes, it is I, your humble host, Bill Hatch the Third, coming to you live from the Palatial Home Studios of Bald Spots Productions here in the beautiful city of Santa Ana, California. Joining me in studio, as per the usual, is my friend, my brother in Christ, the disembodied voice of Rudy. Hi, everybody. I love you all. Waka, waka, waka with the Lord. And, and joining us from a more than acceptable safe social distance is my father, Chaplain Bill Hatch. How you doing, Pop? I'm doing very well. Good evening, my fellow Bible Inquisitors. This evening, our, my part of the broadcast is coming from Sheridan, Wyoming. Wyoming. Uh, we are still on our way home from and on vacation. Um, by next Saturday night, we will be home. Not this Saturday night. Wait a minute, then we'll be gone again. So let's just say... Sheridan, Wyoming. Here in the Sailor's Way. <laughs> the Sailor's Way? Sorry, it was a line uh, Willy Wonka said in the uh, in the original uh, uh, Charlie the Cho or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Willy Wonka, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yes, we have the second part of 1 Corinthians 15, a huge chapter. Which is why it took me. It's taken uh, two weeks to uh, to get through it, and uh, so we've got a lot a uh, lot of material to go through. I, I got a mess of pages of notes, and, okay. uh, and also uh, um, so there's definitely a lot to do tonight. But I think first we have time for some Rudy news. You know what? I look at. Uh, I was looking at. Um... Uh, what was that? Uh, um, well, I was watching about the uh, Pablo Escobar and these uh, doc, uh, movies, these short programs, and even uh, El Chapo. Rudy is really far what away is, from is, the mic. Just you, your mic. Huh? He can't, my dad can't hear you very well. Okay. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? The audience can hear you very well. All right. Yeah, and you know what it is? It's oh, people okay. taking advantage of the poor. I, we just watched this movie about Outwish. Outwish. Yeah. And what it is, is they use the bad poor people to entertain themselves, and that's evil. It's crazy. Even when I was a bad guy, I showed mercy. I had mercy. I felt bad for people. I feel bad for people now the week. I wish I could be over there as Superman and beat the heck out of everybody because it's terrible. You got to look in your heart and see that the sadness in them could be the sadness in you. So please love each other and give a helping hand for each other. Because you know what? God is beautiful and God loves us all because he gives us a helping hand. I love you all. Waka waka with the Lord. Yes, indeed. We should all uh, remember to have mercy and give grace to others because God has given grace and mercy to us. Amen we're going to talk to a little bit about that tonight. As a matter of fact. As a matter of fact, indeed. Oh, goodness. So, yes, we got through the first half of uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Well, technically not the full half, because half would have been through verse 29, and and I only got through verse 28, but 29 started a new paragraph and a new section. So that seems like a better place to start than to, than to end in the, in the middle of a sentence. But, but not a uh, new topic. No. Oops. Well, that depends on who you ask. 1 Corinthians 15 was doing quite a bit with false teachings mm -hmm. that they were being influenced by. And they had the agnostics who were trying to claim that Jesus was not really raised from the dead. Right. Actually, we, Called we Gnosticism, there were, actually. There were a few places where that, uh, where that might have actually come from. Um, turns out that the uh, the Epicureans uh, also do not believe in uh, uh, or did not believe in resurrection. Um, neither did the Sadducees, of course. Uh, although we although uh, it seemed pretty obvious that there probably weren't a lot of 
Sadducees in uh, in Corinth. Um, we also found out that the uh, that the um, oh who are the other oh I, I don't have my notes from last week in front of me. Um, what was the other group? Let's see. The Epicureans don't believe in. Well, there was another uh, another Gentile group uh, that uh, believed in uh, that when you died, you got absorbed into the universe. Basically, was uh, was how it uh, sounded into the divine um, thing that uh, that is controls the universe. And so there were plenty of places for the. Uh... That's also a good description for Buddhist yes, belief is. today, is being absorbed into. Right the thing either right they believe great reach a level and you become one with the universe right yeah what did the uh what did the buddhist say to the hot dog uh, vendor make me one with everything i don't know <laughs> okay i think i'm glad that an air conditioner went on behind me because I didn't catch all of that joke. <laughs> but seriously, uh, it is that is one of the beliefs. Mm -hmm. And it continues down today right. to the group that are called Buddhist. Because mm -hmm. they really do not believe in a god, but they believe reaching this level of enlightenment and becoming one with the universe right. or just the thing might right. even be better than in the universe. We're about another practice that was going on with the Corinthians that still gets carried on today. And so we see that things do have a way of holding on even when there's no reason or viable explanation for them. Mm -hmm. Am I right, Bill? You are right. People uh, people hold on to uh, hold on to their ideas uh for uh, for dear life, um, the strangest things for a, sure. There's a uh, there's a term for it. Uh, oh, now I don't remember what the uh, what the term. There there's actually a, a term for it, and uh, and uh, basically what it is is that uh, people look for things to uh, um, to that will uh, that will support their ideas and ignore things that disagree with them in order to <laughs> like the uh, bible yeah you know in order to uh in order to uh to keep their ideas uh going um and uh one of the uh interesting things about uh about this particular chapter is paul uses a lot of uh of logical reasoning um we got into the uh the uh, argumentum ad absurdum and uh, um, and we're gonna and we got into uh, we're gonna get into an uh, um, an ad hominem argument uh, here that uh, that Paul's gonna get into and uh, um, a lot of analogy um, both uh, um, uh, both uh, shoot, analogies um, some of which Paul doesn't use anywhere else except for here. Um, you know, he uses some uh, some uh, some analogies from uh, from farming, and Paul was not a farmer. <laughs> Paul was raised in the city and lived in the big city and was educated there, um, and uh, and probably had probably had no idea what a hoe was, uh, what a hoe was. Uh, but uh, but he careful uses now. A, don't uh, mispronounce that. But he uses a, uh, a an analogy quite adeptly um, that uh, um, that farmers would easily understand. Actually, most everybody would understand it because just about everybody's planted something. But uh, um, yes, I even have a plant that I've kept alive for like the last six months, which is unusual. Six whole months now. Wow. Yeah, six whole months now. Which reminds me, I have to water it before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> mm. So, folks, he may be speaking a little bit out of line here. We'll see. <laughs> Is it your avocado? No, no, it's not my avocado. It's a little succulent plant. Looks like uh, looks uh -huh. like peas on a vine. Hmm. They're a little hardier. They might make it. They might make it if you missed a little bit of time of watering. 
You will find out for sure. Oh, yeah. yep. All right, let's look specifically at the topic. Okay. Well, there was oh, yeah. this a group of. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. There's a group of non-believers who were denying the resurrection of Jesus. Yes. Well, we see that still all the time today. People just cannot grasp the concept that there is a God who loves us and that he, they, that this God, our God, sent his son to be the savior of the world and that he did everything that he said that he was going to do. In particular, risen again on the third day, which we now get to celebrate as Easter. But there were people even then who were saying, nah, it didn't happen. Well, some of the folks in Corinth were believing that. But they were also believing this other idea, which was totally against Scripture. And it had to do with people who had already died, but yet still before the second coming. And they, like the Mormons today, yes, the Mormon church, I mean it, they actually do bat for the dead, right. where it will be that instead of dying and going to hell, uh, people will, who do not believe in the teachings of Joseph Smith, that is, will go up to heaven if they've been baptized for it, and they will go to spiritual jail having been a military chaplain and working with many Mormon chaplains over the years, I do not know how many times I have been baptized for, but I do know that I and all my family have been baptized uh, for in the Mormon church, even though we did not ask for it, Phew, which is another thing that, I'm sorry? Phew, what a relief. Uh, no, I don't think so. But seriously, their belief is, is that you go to a spiritual jail where a good Mormon will come to the outside of the jail and tell you, see, we told you about the teachings, and if you accept it now, uh, and if you're in spiritual jail, I suppose you would, they would release you, and you would have the freedom of a lower level of heaven, right. not the full uh, levels like the Mormon church says. Right. No. Oh. Nope. No for you know, and, and by the way, women, women, Mormon women don't get their own planet anyway, the right. uh, way it is. And for other things, we'd have to do a whole series of classes, I guess, or at least an hour or two independently about the baptism of the dead and its effects right. from the Mormon perspective. But for now, we're looking at the Corinthians. Mm -hmm. And there was a group who was trying to deny the resurrection of Jesus. And Paul uses some of that great bill that you were referring to. Right. He says, well, if that's the truth, that there was no resurrection of Jesus, why are so many of you being baptized for the dead um, there in Corinth. And he does a very logical point. It's the fact that if there's no resurrection of Jesus, there's no resurrection of anybody. So why be baptized for those who are dead as if that would help them? Uh, by the way, it doesn't. The Bible tells us that we have to make a decision for Christ before we die. And then comes the judgment. There's no second chances. There's no reincarnation. It's the one life we have on earth. Uh, and Shirley MacLaine folks <laughs> know there's no resurrection hope for her. And she's still looking to find out a way that she leaves which she has earned as an actress over these years. But in verse 29 and 30, uh, yeah, and um, he uses that logic. The, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the uh, the belief in um, in that you can uh, be baptized for the dead uh, may have actually come from uh, the Jewish converts, 
um, the Jews had a uh, had a similar purification ritual um, that uh, if uh, if someone uh, died and they were unclean, then someone could take their place and become ritually clean on their behalf. That way, they hmm. didn't die in their uncleanness. Um, I am not familiar with that practice. Yeah. Wow! Uh, at least that was at the time. I, I don't know if it's something that's done anymore. Uh, but uh, um, and then uh, they also uh, I also found uh, references to how the uh, the baptism for the dead uh, uh, might have happened, at least how it did in some times um, that someone would climb under the deathbed of the person who was a Christian already, but had died prior to being baptized. And then the the uh, the leaders of the church would come in and ask the dead man or dead person if uh, if he or she wanted to be baptized. And of course, the dead person couldn't answer, but the person under the bed certainly could. And so they would accept on their behalf. Oh yes, I'd love to be baptized. And then they could be baptized on uh, on their behalf. That's the ridiculousness of uh, of this. It's how people yeah. will twist things rather than getting to the truth. Yes. And that is absolutely, I mean, my favorite one of that as an example is uh, the old saying, out of the horse's mouth. And it traces back to medieval times when a group of scholars sit, debated how many teeth a horse had. Right. And after seven years of debating somebody brought a horse and they opened the mouth and counted the teeth. And to know that, yeah, people do this kind of stuff all the time. It's why I have a neat set of t-shirts for the producer and I to wear that says, uh, before all else fails, read the instructions. And it has a big Bible in, in the middle of the shirt. shirt. Instead of when all else fails, read the instructions. It's before. And we crossed out when. We crossed out the when and put in before instead. Mm -hmm. People will not read the instructions of the Bible. They will go off on their own ideas. And the Corinthians were just as guilty of that as many others. Actually, even in today's standards, I'd say they were faster in those days to grasp other beliefs and other uh, directions that so many these, would take them by. These were people who had been raised in the pagan, well, uh, in both in, either in the pagan culture or in the Jewish culture. And so they weren't used to these ideas. Um, they, uh, you know, especially the pagans had no, no foundation in, uh, in, in the Old Testament. And, uh, um, and so they had a lifetime of beliefs that they had to get over. And, uh, and as uh, anyone who's given up uh, something like, uh, you know, given up a habit like smoking, it can take a really long time to change your mind about something. You know, because those habits, True. you know, old habits die hard. But, uh, um, uh, correct. They do. Sorry, and new habits die even faster. Yeah. Or can die if they're not supported well enough. And for people to accept practices and to end other practices compared to holding on to what Paul is telling them, this is what we taught. It's not other stuff. It's not other examples. It's what we've taught. It's what we've seen. And it's what we're expressing to you. And he's being very, very forthright and, and talking about the baptism of right. the dead. He's not saying right. it's no, right. He, he definitely isn't, but that's that not needs the, to be that's emphasized. Not the problem, really, that he—it's really not the problem that he's uh, that he's addressing right here. Um, you know, uh, um, right. and he tends not to—he tends. Paul tends to, when he gets on a subject, he tends to take it through to the end without uh, without going on too many uh, tangents, unless it's to uh, 
discuss what a terrible person he uh, he was uh, prior to his conversion and how he's the least of the apostles. He'll, he does do that a lot that. to prove his point, but, yes. Uh, um, but uh, just in case anybody thinks Paul might be advocating this, um, go ahead and read Ephesians 2.8, Romans 3.28, 4.3, uh, Romans 6.3 and 4, and you'll definitely see Paul is, is saying that baptism has nothing to do with salvation at all, so it doesn't even save a living person, let alone a dead one. So they're, yep. they're, he, and if you had more time, he'd say, remember the thief on the cross. Yep. He got to be with Jesus that day, but he didn't get baptized. Yep. Uh, Paul is pointing to the obvious points that, gee, if this resurrection of Jesus isn't true, why am I being in danger every hour of the day? Mm -hmm. And uh, literally every hour and face death every day. That's verse 30. Mm -hmm. And uh, and 31. Nope, that's nope, 31. 30 and 31. Yep. It's both. You, you were right uh, both times. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, Paul uh, Paul was continuously under threat. And, uh, um, you know, that, uh, um, you know, he, he says, uh, he says himself that he dies daily. And, uh, um, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, um, let me see. Yeah, that's thirty-one. He likes to be able to boast about the work he has. Well, the only thing Paul told ever, the Corinthians about the, the only work Paul, the only thing Paul ever uh, boasted about was the churches he converted. It was like that was his thing, and he was he was proud to have uh, have been involved in uh, in the conversion of uh, of pagans and, and or Gentiles and uh, and Jews alike. To, uh, to the way, or yep. as we would say today, Christianity. And that's okay because there really weren't too many other people around that were doing it like he was, right. but they did exist, and we have to remember that, mm -hmm. that Paul was not the only one to bring about the message. The other, the original remaining 11 disciples, certainly, Matthias, who was appointed after the death of Judas, and we have Barnabases, and we have others that are before Paul even gets in on the act, and there are others that follow him. And some of them from the teachings he did. We don't want to take away from that. We want to be able to see some of the stuff that was going on that the Christian leaders, early Christian leaders, were trying to combat and how some of them still have impact today. And we as Christians need to stand firm and show that we know the Bible and that we are faithful to it. Shall we go to verse 32, yeah, Bill? That's, um, Paul is not talking about fighting with literal animals in, in, emphasis, in emphasis, in Ephesus. Yes. <laughs> Um, as a Roman citizen, I was, agree absolutely. As, as a Roman citizen, if that were not the case, we do need to point out this is the only reference in the New Testament to such conduct right. or punishment against Paul. Right. And as a Roman citizen, I mean, Paul would have been exempted from being thrown into the uh, into the lion's den, as it were. Yes. Uh, that was... Now, there was the one time when he was bitten by what we assume is a poisonous right. snake. Uh, but even so, that was not as right. uh, a punishment like he right. went through. Some of the scholars that I read for tonight's reference, uh, it, they were saying that it was probably a reference to how, shall we say, violent the people got to when they were in Ephesus and trying to kill yeah, Paul that's, uh, Acts, uh, because they were ferocious. That's Acts 19, 23 to 41. So go ahead and read that later. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a good idea. But, yes. Uh, but indeed, but yeah, that's... Um, this is really just an, a, a, a metaphor that Paul's using that he knows that both uh, his Hebrew and Greek uh, uh, readers or listeners would have understood 
Um, the Psalms, in the Psalms, uh, the opponents of God are spoken of as beasts. Uh, the Cretans are called evil beasts by the poet Epimenides, uh, which was a poet uh, Paul actually quotes in Titus, so we know he's, uh, he's familiar. Um, Heraclitus, uh, who was a, a pre-Socratic Greek philosopher from about 500 BC, uh, called the Ephesians themselves beasts. Um, so, uh, um, so yeah, so this was likely just a metaphor for what happened in Acts 19. I agree. I agree, but Paul's still using it as reference points, uh, and he, again, brings it back to himself. If there's really no resurrection, why have I been doing yeah. all this? And so he quotes... Uh, you know, what it, What benefit is of it? So he, yeah, so he quotes uh, Isaiah 22, 13. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we may die. Um, which uh, serves a dual purpose. Also, I believe it's... It serves a dual purpose, because uh, not only is he quoting the Old Testament, which, again, would reach the Jewish believers... But uh, um, but it also uh, sums up uh, very tidy uh, tidy like um, the uh, the Epicurean belief system, which uh, the Epicureans uh, they pursued uh, sensual pleasures and uh, and did not believe in an afterlife. They believed this was it, and so you better uh, eat, yeah. drink, and be merry. That's right. They believed that. Doesn't matter what's going on with anybody else. Just take care of number one. There are enough people in the world that are still trying to do that. Yeah. Evilly, that is. Uh, and you know, it's a very sad reality of life. But Paul goes on to say, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals that's actually a uh, one, uh, that's actually a quote too um tells it, it really tells paul's uh paul's wide-ranging uh, knowledge um you know in in uh, in all sorts of stuff he was uh, he was really a scholar quite the scholar um a greek dramatist by the name of menander uh wrote it in yes. uh, in his comedy theus um, but he may have actually uh, uh, stolen it from Euripides. Uh, <laughs> um, the more, more accurate translation uh, translation uh, means something along the line of evil associations corrupt excellent morals. Yes. And I think that is important for all of us also to see that Paul was studying outside of Scripture because he didn't have the New Testament to work from anyway. I mean, a couple of the Gospels would have started showing up by now. Yeah, He's still on missionary journeys, uh, so we know that Luke hasn't written, at least he hasn't written the book of Acts yet. He may have finished uh, the book of Luke, but not the Gospel of Luke. Uh, but we have this, and Paul now, instead of, don't be deceived, come to your senses and stop mm -hmm. sinning. Um, For some people are ignorant about God. Right. And I say that to your mm -hmm. shame. He's directing it now to the Corinthians. Shame on you for letting these other things influence you. Right. Um. Turns out the uh, the word awake or wake up or waken um, is uh, it it literally translates awake at once from a drunken sleep, and the verb does not occur anywhere else in the New Testament. This is the only time it's used. Hmm. That's a very valid point to look at. I'll consider it. But Paul is doing so much in a short amount of space. He's now going to the next uh, explanation of how the Corinthian minds were thinking and how he's able to respond to them, especially when they're so far out in left field. Excuse me. 
Uh, he changes the topic that much and only that much. And it gets into what does a resurrected person look like? It's basically it, you know, what are we going to look like? So we have, we start at verse, what's that, 35? How are the dead raised? That's the one. Read a couple, Bill. You know, uh, one thing, um, found that the uh, the literal translations only say uh, something like, but someone will say, how are the dead raised? And uh, the second half of verse 35 is left off. Um but uh, um, but the full uh, 35 in the Amplified is, but someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body will they come? Um, see, that's 35. Oh, uh, yeah. MacArthur uh, proposes that these uh, um, are, uh, are Paul assuming mocking taunts, not, uh, not that these are serious questions coming from the, uh, the people of uh, of Ephesus, uh, or not Ephesus? I'm sorry, uh, Corinthians, uh, Corinth. Um, I don't know. I I think it could. Course, yeah. I think it could be a serious question for some of them at least. But uh, um, but I think them, uh, even if it's Paul bringing it to mind, because you know that people will say, "Oh yeah, what is that going to look like?" Right. Right. We don't have it in front of us. What what example should we use? And again, is very well educated mm -hmm. to give them an example that almost everyone, even in downtown Corinth, should be aware of. Right. If um, if nothing else, they would. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. It really is. Yeah. Um, but first, Paul doesn't let him off because he says, "You fool." Now that's and then he I goes found. on. Uh, so the uh, the Greek word that's translated "fool" is actually "aphron," which uh, is doesn't have the shameful aspect that the word "fool" does. So "fool" may be a little strong uh, as far as our translation of what Paul's saying to them. Um, hmm. Yeah, um, but uh, um, but yeah. Uh, uh, was it uh, the pulpit commentary uh, suggests, oh, unreasonable. Um, you unreasonable person, you. Uh, but uh, he goes on to say, every time you plant seed, you sow something that does not come to life uh, unless it dies first. Uh, the mm -hmm. seed you sow is not the body, which it is going to become, but it is a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. As Ellicott said, uh, a corn seed grows up into corn, an acorn into an oak. They don't stay as the things that they are. Um, but uh, um, uh, let's see. Um, and uh, and he also goes on to say the analogy is not the seed is sown and man is buried, the seed rots and the man's body decays, the seed grows up and man is raised. It's misleading, for there is no necessity for the body of man to decay, but only a necessity for it to die, which we'll see in uh, verses 51 and 52. Okay. Then we'll look at it again yep. down there. <laughs> he uses the analogy very appropriately. To be able to say, you know what, this is something in your everyday occurrence. And and I don't know why they probably didn't have an apple and apple seed back then there. Who knows? They did. Uh, you know, an apple seed uh, by itself is actually a little poisonous. You're not supposed to eat apple yes, seeds because there's... That one. I yeah, go time. ahead and argue. But the point being, uh, well... No, I'm not going. <laughs> the only part of the apple I don't need. A is seed the, does yeah. not look. The apple seed looks nothing like the right. apple, and you have to be able to grow it. And the per, we human beings, you know, if it weren't for science, we would not understand all the results of uh, uh, how children come to be 
other than saying, oh yeah, it's a husband and wife or a man and woman getting together sexually and, and babies are developed from there. But when it comes to all the fine, intricate development uh, and then the birth of the baby till the point of an old person and dying is just remarkable work of God. Can Bill hear me from there? I can hear you. Bill, can you yes, hear me? Yes, I hear you. When an apple comes in contact with human digestive enzymes, a substance that I'm not, I'll spell it, but I won't say it. A-M-Y-G-G-A-L-I-N. It releases cyanide when the apple seed gets, comes in contact with human digestive enzymes. It it's can't a, kill you. It's such a small, minute amount, it can't kill a normal person. Well, I'll just have you look in the mirror next time and okay. we'll, we'll stay by what we were saying. Why did I tell you you were normal? <laughs> you know, just let, yeah, let that one just go, okay? Uh, but it is indeed poison. Yeah, well, it's better to avoid doing so. And now that we've discussed that just a little bit, I wish to move on, not get stuck with it. But thank you, Madam Producer, for coming to my support. Of course. Uh, we have to have a spiritualness to us to set us aside from those who are not spiritual. It's, it's that simple in my opinion. If we are not developing the true spirit that God gave to every, well, he gave it to Adam and Eve, and therefore to everyone ever since then, if we are not following and reaching out on a spiritual level to God, we're not going to be able to develop anything once we have perished. Once our time on earth, I firmly do believe the Bible when it says first comes death and then the judgment, uh, which is not a judgment at all for Christians who've accepted Jesus. But Paul's giving this ex excellent description of comparing people and plants because we're going to develop into new things. I know I'm going to get a new body when the time comes. I don't know if it's physical or spiritual, but I sure hope it's better looking than the one I have now. Uh, and believe me right now, the, this old body is really feeling some age with all this great traveling we've been doing. I find each morning's a different way of waking up with a few sores that I wish I didn't have from the day before. Uh, but Paul's talking about this natural body. And do you have any Bach bill uh, that is before verse 45? Before 45? Um, yeah. yeah, I've got I've 35 got to 44. Um, okay, let's see, share uh, some of those. Let's see, verse 40. Uh, there are also heavenly bodies. Oh, I have a I have a disagreement between uh, between uh, Ellicott and the pulpit commentaries. Um, <laughs> Ellicott uh, thinks that uh, um, uh, thinks that uh, let's see, it is better to regard it as a general statement of what is expanded in First Corinthians 15:41 that uh, um, that indeed he doesn't believe that the celestial bodies spoken of in verse 40 are the bodies of angels. However, the pulpit commentary, <laughs> says straight out the celestial bodies are not the sun moon and stars of the next verse for that would be a false antithesis to bodies terrestrial but bodies which belong to heavenly beings such as the resurrection body of our lord and of glorified saints or even in some sense of angels uh, so 
So, uh, so and two, isn't it uh, nice that we have those things written out by different people, mm-hmm. not where they're arguing with each other, but putting down their particular right. possibilities. And there's nothing wrong with having people with different opinions. When we get to heaven and find out that it's neither choice A or choice B, but choice C through Z, yep. <laughs> uh, it'll be fun to be able to do that. See how far off the mark we oh, were. Yeah. I, I openly admit that I do not understand all the Holy Scriptures. But I keep trying to understand them, and I believe I get better insi- insights every year. They're not, I mean, not necessarily perfect ones, but different ways of looking at it. And the example of looking at a coin, how many sides does it really have? That's not just heads and tails or front and back, inside and outside. There's also the edge uh, that comes into play. And we have to be able to say, oh, yeah, we should be open to a lot of these things. If they're in keeping with the Bible, okay. If they are totally going out like the Corinthians were doing and declaring that there was no resurrection of Jesus, then that's totally outside of Scripture. But to deny that, you know, would mean that they were totally giving up on what they had learned. And Paul's trying to bring them back with these kinds of examples. What else do you have on boxes? Uh, let's see. Um, I got some complicated ones that we don't need to go into. I would say too much time. Uh, but, <laughs> okay. Uh, you say to, through 45? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, the last Adam in 45 is actually yes. a rabbinical uh, expression um, for the Messiah. Um, so this isn't Paul coming up with his own thing. This is something he learned in rabbi school. So, okay. uh, so something that his Jewish converts would have uh, would have recognized. Yeah, and that's a good point to reference out. Paul's writing to people who had been Jewish and people who had been pagan. Yep. And they're all now trying to convert over to Christianity and they're being influenced poorly by some of these other things that he did not teach. And so, yeah, I can see where he would be using some of the references from Jewish teachings as well. So that's a good point to bring out. Thank you. Uh, And he again uses a reference to Adam as the first physical man on earth and Jesus as the first spiritual man on earth because he was not conceived by a biological father, but by the Holy Spirit. And so we have those references. And yes, that's a difficult concept to come up with. But because the Bible says it was immaculate conception of Jesus, not Mary, folks, that's a different topic. Uh, But, you know, we have to faithfully believe that, just like we have to faithfully believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. We have no record concept uh, we don't even really have an eyewitness to it because we do not even get told in the Bible that the guards who became, who shook and became like yeah. dead men uh, at the tomb actually saw Jesus at all. Yeah. They saw an angel. Yeah. And what an angel. And what an announcement that Jesus is in fact... God's Son and our Savior and Lord, if we've accepted it. Now, can you pick up that? Uh... Yeah, that, we're actually in it, aren't we? It. It's the spiritual physical comparison, and physical had to come before spiritual. Mm-hmm. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. 
like the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust, like the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Again, putting into mind for the Corinthians, following Jesus means we are developing our spiritualness and it will pay off for us. Uh, and he's going back now to the image, you know, just like the apple seed doesn't look like an apple, but can literally grow an apple tree mm -hmm. and have the apples on it later. So it is with human beings. We are going to have something totally different in our makeup when we are spiritual beings only. Uh, I don't know why this idea just jumped in my brain, but when we look at the Old Testament, it talks about the Messiah, mm -hmm. who is not a handsome Adonis-type right. person. So when he went to spiritual afterwards, is he now the most radiant creature <laughs> in heaven? My answer is, oh, yeah. But we don't have that description of Jesus. Uh in fact, when he was on earth, the Old Testament says he was not going to be very handsome. Right. Well, but he sure was a talker. Follow him because he was handsome. So we assume that means right. that he, he wasn't handsome at all. So. Correct. Yeah. Okay. The, um, let's see. Where are we? Is from, the first man, Adam, is from the earth. What do you have for verse 47? The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Okay. Yeah, um, some uh, translations include the words, the Lord, um, which are not in the best Greek manuscripts. And uh, uh, a Christian author and apologist from the late 100s AD uh, named Tertullian uh, says said that the uh, that the words the Lord were inserted by a man named Marcion, who was a theologian who preached that Jesus was different from the God of the Old Testament. So uh, so if your uh, if your version of of, uh, of verse forty seven says the Lord, probably best to to leave that out. <laughs> And that's why we compare scriptures regularly, Absolutely. right? All right. How are we doing on time? Okay. I cannot see in the clock. We're doing okay? Doing okay. Uh, Fabulous. We're at 47.50. Close we're, enough. We're pretty close. <laughs> we're close enough to it. Verse 50. Paul's getting back to hit hitting the nail on the head. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. And if you folks go to church tomorrow, tomorrow, right? Yeah. And you go to the nursery, you're liable to see part of this verse in the nursery. I, I, have, a, in the nursery. I have a note here where I wrote down that it's a favorite verse of Christian nurseries all over the place. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and it's a cute way to... Our Red Bank Church, Baptist Church had that sign on the nursery. Uh, Red Bank, New Jersey Church had that yeah. for sure. Uh, there was an interesting uh, note I found in uh, in verse on verse fifty uh, that I wanted to make mention of, um, and this is from Ellicott. Okay. Um, one characteristic of the resurrection body is that it shall be bloodless. But that was an interesting hmm. assumption, because if flesh and blood cannot inherit nor be part of the kingdom of God. And we have transformed flesh. Does that mean we're bloodless? Or does it mean that our blood is also transformed? Um, because it, on, here on earth, the blood contains the life. That's the that's the Old Testament saying why uh, why the Jewish dietary law said you 
could not eat the blood because that was the life of the creature. Correct. And I am not a phlebotomist, so that really does not make me wonder very much. I think it will be a spiritual body, and I don't think it's going to have blood at all. So I guess that really does mean bloodless, okay. doesn't it? Um, but I don't know what it's going to look yeah. like. What I do know is that Paul is giving us some indicators here, and I want to believe they're divinely inspired to be able to tell us that, okay, when Jesus comes again, Christians will be still around, will still be around. I think in the twinkling of an eye, Christians will go up to heaven, but let's finish reading some of the descriptors of what will happen when it does. Uh, let's see. We'll not all fall asleep, but we'll all be changed. In a moment of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal with, uh, I'm sorry, I love, oops, let me find where I am. And this mortal body must be clothed with immortality when this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immorality then the saying that is written will take place I'm pausing there i'll read the rest of it but still paul is using the examples incorruptible immoral is a bad thing. No, I just combined two of the opposites, didn't I? Sorry. We have to shed our corruptible parts. We did that when we asked God to forgive us and we asked Jesus into our life as Savior. It's then that we go from corruptible self to morally sound self and when we die the whole body which has to decay because the way it's made goes away we become a spiritual body that is morally for god and do you have any more boxes on that section bill um let's see uh Verse 54, verse 54, um, that's from Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death and abolish it for all time. Um, yeah, that's... The Berean Standard uh, makes, uh, makes note of the Westcott and Hort uh, translation. Um, they were uh, Greek textual scholars from the late 1800s. And uh, their uh, Greek translation um, of the New Testament is uh, the foundation for most modern translations. And uh, they don't include and the mortal with immortality. So, uh, so it just hmm. says, and when this perishable puts on the imperishable, then the scripture will be fulfilled. Okay. Uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, Let's see, death is swallowed up in victory. But okay, I said that. That one. I did that out of order, didn't I? That's right. <laughs> Satan has had the Satan has had death working for him for a long time. Right. He really lost the privilege at the resurrection, but he still uses it. People still today fear death. I do not fear where I'm going to. I, I do sort of wonder about how I'm going to get there. I will admit there's still a little bit of concern. I know that God will be with me no matter what, but I sort of don't like that mystery. <laughs> and there are some things that I absolutely fear uh, as far as the type of death. Yeah. I'm asthmatic, folks. I like to breathe. I do not like being in situations where I cannot. So it's been very difficult the last couple of years with face mask and COVID. 
I admit that readily. I don't want to die of suffocation. Um, if God wants me to, I hopefully will be ready for that. But still, it's where's the victory uh, in death if death has no impact on us? And the answer is it's with Jesus because we know as believers that's where we're going. And it does get death gets swallowed up in the victory of Jesus. He was victorious over death, and he has promised that we who believe will also be victorious over death. Yep. And then you said the reference, well, that's a reference from Isaiah, and where death is your victory and where death is your sting. You know, that's, if... Uh, Hosea 13, 14. Thank you. And uh, depending on the translation you use, O death, where are your thorns? O Sheol, where is your sting? Uh, Hosea doesn't say death twice. He said, uh, O death, and then O Sheol. But, uh, um, but the agreement <laughs> seems to be that, uh, that Paul instead duplicated death twice in, in, because he was, only, he was adapting the, uh, the, the quote from his, for his, uh, for his uh, to make his argument. Basically, to put a nice, sure. uh, to put a nice uh, tag on it, which he certainly did. And he gives the Jewish references now too, not just in the scriptural quotes, but in uh, verse fifty-one, the sting of death is sin, mm -hmm. and the power of sin is the law. Right. The law does takes a back seat to the teachings of Jesus doesn't mean that we don't still follow them as rightly as we can. I don't want any of the listeners trying to say, oh, I get to sell my daughter now. Uh-uh. Yeah. There's a lot of other things, too, so don't go there. But it is true that we should be loving our neighbors as ourselves. That's the second and greatest commandment. But to love the Lord thy God with all thy strength, all thy might, and all thy soul is indeed uh, the first of the great commandments. And when we're doing those two, we can't be breaking any of the other laws. And we don't have to worry about wearing two different kinds of cloth at the same time, which was also an Old Testament law. So, uh, We have victory through Jesus Christ. Bill, read up the last... Verse, last verse, if uh, you would. 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best and doing more than is needed, being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion, in the Lord is not futile nor wasted. It is never without purpose. Amen. That's what we should never give up working for the Lord. It's not in vain. It's not, it's not, it is always worth Indeed. while. I like what, uh, um, I liked uh, what Ellicott had, to, part of what Ellicott had to say uh, about, uh, about 54. He, on, on just the therefore, uh, because okay. all this is so, because there is a life hereafter, let this life here be worthy of it. And, uh, and he went on to say, uh, Christianity never separates in precept or in promise the life that now is and that which is to come. So it's always together. Yes. And so we come to the end of what was indeed, or what is indeed, Indeed, a very important chapter of the Bible. One of the 52 greatest. So we're in agreement with Dr. Barnett, <laughs> and it certainly has taken a couple weeks to go through it, but it's very worthwhile, yeah. and it's worth reading over again regularly. And, uh, and, reading, uh, and reading about what others have to say about it, too. 
because there is a lot to be said about it. Oh, little, yeah. Uh, little bits of information that, uh, that can help you uh, understand and put it into action. Um, you know, just uh, because uh, knowledge without, uh, without action is, uh, is kind of dead. And uh, so uh, we need to do something with it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, but gentle inquisitor, if you have come this far with us, perhaps you will come a little bit further and join us in this family we call Christianity. We do this not with sacrifices, because that's already been taken care of by the good Lord. And uh, we don't use magical spells or mystical ceremonies. In fact, uh, well, it's a lifetime thing. Um, and uh, generally speaking, uh, people kick it off by, uh, by saying a thing called the sinner's prayer, which isn't in the Bible, and trips some people up because they think that's the end. But it's not the end. The sinner's prayer is the beginning. The very first, uh, the very first salvo in uh, in your war against uh, against sin, in your participation in the war against sin and the devil, and so uh, whether you've been a believer for a second or a century, we invite you to say the sinner's prayer with us tonight, because all have sinned and continually fall short of the glory of God. And uh, so uh, join with us now as we, uh, as we say our own little version of the sinner's prayer. Dear Lord, Dear Lord I, am Dear a sinner. Lord. I am a sinner. I am a sinner. Cleanse me of my wickedness. Cleanse me of my wickedness. Teach me how to love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Teach me how to better love you with all my heart, mind, soul and strength show me how to love my neighbor as myself show me how to love my neighbor as myself Uh, guide my steps along the path you would have me take continue guiding my steps along your path and help me to do the work you would have me do for your kingdom Help me to do your will and now your kingdom. Come into my heart and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Remain in my heart and continue being my Lord and Savior. All these things we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All these things we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. And there you have it. The beginning, the first step on that uh, on that journey of a thousand miles, and uh, the next step, uh, well, could be pretty easy for you since uh, tomorrow's Sunday. Um, most churches are going to be open uh, tomorrow morning, and uh, if you find one with a Bible-believing preacher and Bible-believing believers, then uh, you can uh, definitely find out what your next steps after that are going to be. Because fellowship with your fellow believers is so important. And uh, the Bible teaches us to, uh, to associate with the assembly and, uh, and interact with them. And uh, so, uh, so get to it. This isn't the only program we have for you over the course of the week. In fact, we have three shows. Um, there on Thursday, on Tuesday, rather, is YWL Online's totally approachable Bible study for all. When we will be, oh shoot, do you remember what uh, what Psalm we uh, left off with? Was it sixty-six? We will start with Psalm sixty-six. We will start with Psalm sixty-six. And uh, so we will go on uh, to do uh, probably about five. And so, uh, um, so go ahead and read through Psalm 70. That way you'll be better able to participate in the conversation. And we certainly want you to participate in the conversation. Because it shouldn't be a one-way thing. And uh, then uh, on Thursday night, uh, I have a little show I do called Not Quite After Midnight. And uh, this week I will be having a return guest, uh, Richard Blank. Who uh, he's a uh, um, he's a communications uh, coach, and uh, he runs a uh, a call center down in uh, down in Costa Rica. And the last time he was on was really interesting. 
So, uh, and then uh, I also have Tony Cellini on. Um, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. But uh, he's, uh, he's also a coach, uh, but a different kind of coach. Um, he does uh, uh, leadership development, uh, much like I do, and uh, maximize, helps people maximize business and human potential. And uh, so it'll be, uh, it should be an interesting conversation. And uh, that'll be on Thursday. And then on Saturday uh, will be another episode. A week from tonight will be, uh, doesn't seem so far away right now, does it? Uh, will be another episode of YWL Online's Anything Can Happen Saturday, where we will be talking about 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 5. So uh, go ahead and read, uh, read that as we continue our journey through Dr. John Barnett's 52 greatest chapters of the Bible and, uh, and see what, uh, what that brings us. I'm trying to remember what the, what the topic is for, uh, for that. I wrote down the, I wrote down the, the book and chapter, uh, imputation and Bema seat. So, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about judgment. I think that's judgment, right? Okay. Okay. So, uh, so we'll, uh, see, uh, we'll see what's there. But uh, that's, all right. that's about it. Second right, Corinthians five, yeah. And uh, and yeah, do you uh, find gentlemen have anything else Ministry to say? Ministry of reconciliation. Yeah, the program was Markles, and uh, it's just taking advantage of the poor and weak people, and that's terrible. And I love you all. Remember, God loves us. Walk walk with the Lord. All the time. Amen. And God's blessing from Sheridan, Wyoming. Middle of nowhere. There is nothing in Wyoming. Not, Not quite. quite. Is it more the edge of nowhere? <laughs> it's between Yellowstone and, and uh, what's the other mountain thing? It's Grand Tetons Grand and Yellowstone so National Park. Natural beauty kind of stuff. Oh yes. We don't have a whole lot of And believe me, we got we got pictures of geysers shooting all over the place. Yeah, we sent you guys a message and nobody reacted from the family. Yeah. But that's a different topic. Yes, it yeah. is. So I would like to say good night and God bless from this area. Is that, that all right? Good to me. And uh, good night. God's blessings right. from us uh, down here in Santa Ana. Be sure to be safe out there and wash your hands and uh, watch the end credits. Good night. good night. Good night. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Bald Spots Productions. I'd like to thank my producer, my beloved mother, Eileen Hatch. I, of course, am your humble host. I'd like to thank my co-host, my beloved father, Chaplain Bill Hatch, and my beloved Ed, Ed McMahon, Rudy Corlew. Yeah. Support the show if you feel so led over on Patreon. We're Bald Spots Pro, and uh, that'd be great uh, if you could. Uh, don't miss Not Quite After Midnight. You can find us on Facebook and uh, YouTube and wherever uh, fine podcasts are sold. Please like, comment, share, subscribe, follow, whatever you got to do to stay informed and uh, kick that algorithm into gear so we can reach more people. So uh, that's it. And thanks again for tuning in. Have a wonderful whenever. Good night.